you've got your Bibles, go to John chapter 14. We'll get started there. Uh, I better get started quick and not not just talk a whole lot in terms of uh, every pastor does this uh, soft intro to messages. Uh, mine lasts 20 minutes long, so I better hurry up. <laughs> oh, man. Um, go to John chapter 14. You can... We'll, we'll get there here in a minute. Um, tonight I want to talk about having the mind of Christ. Amen? So, if you're at John 15, hold your place there and let's pray tonight. Lord, we thank you so much that we get to come before your word, get to come as, as your body and as, your, as this church and study your word and what you said. We get to study who you are, Lord. I thank you that as your word goes forth, that it is effective. It cuts through bone and marrow. It, it, it cuts deep into our hearts to hear what you have to say. I thank you that it brings healing to minds tonight, that it brings peace to those who are in chaos right now. And I thank you that those who have peace we can be carriers of peace into our culture and our community. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, are you ready? John chapter 14, verse 27. It's different. I, I use a, I'm used to, I, I speak in here mostly, not on Wednesday nights, but on Sunday nights with the youth. So I, I, I see a lot of wisdom in these chairs. Uh, no offense, guys, but I don't see a lot of wisdom on Sunday night. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Thank you. Somebody laughed at that. Praise God. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. Um, man, it's good. And I'm thankful for this place. I'm thankful for this house. I'm thankful for what we get to do. John chapter 14, verse 27. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. I'm reading out of the New Living. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father, who is greater than I am. I've told you these things before they will happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. Let's jump up to verse 25 real quick. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. Verse 26, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and remind you of everything that I've told you. So tonight what we're going to look at is how we have the mind of Christ and that the sustaining of that mind of Christ is through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that is on the inside of us. So we've been given the gift of peace of mind. And we have to understand that this word works from the inside out. So we're going to look at our internal state. We're going to look at what's going on on the inside of us. It was, he's given us the Holy Spirit who's made us new and empowers us to live out the word. And I think it's important to know that when we commit to being doers of the word and not just hear, hearers only, it means that we're surrendering to the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we commit to being doers of the word, when we say yes to walking out what he's called us to, we're yoking ourselves also with the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, that power from on high that he sent us. And when we do it, when we carry this out and we yoke ourselves in relationship with him, when we yoke ourselves in, relation, in what he has said and what he has done, and we yoke ourselves with the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we walk out this peace of mind not out of our own strength, which will tire us, but out of his strength, which empowers us. Because there's the difference. And I think a lot of Christians sometimes fall into this trap of they think they have to work and work and do and do and do, and they end up tired and burn out. And we're not Christians for a season. We do this for the rest of our lives. And if we're going to do this for the rest of our lives, and, and he's called us to live an abundant life, an abundant life isn't a worn out life. An abundant life isn't a, a life where we live in mental fog for the rest of our lives, where we can't think clearly. An abundant life is a life of not of unrest, not of chaos, but of peace. 
Internal peace. We'll, we'll, we'll break that down here in a minute. Internal peace. So what we are capable of in our flesh is not the extent of our capabilities. I'm going to say that again. That's really good. So what we are capable of in our flesh is not the extent of our capabilities. What I think we, what we think we can do is far beyond what we can actually do when we live empowered by the Holy Spirit. So tonight, you might have chaos going on in your life. This message is for you. I really feel very, that this is for someone in this room tonight. And, and if you do have peace on the inside, I don't want you to sit there complacent in one ear, out the other. Now, this one's in that crowd, so y'all would, y'all would never, right? And you would always pay attention. We would never zone out on a Wednesday night. Just look straight ahead. I know some, some of y'all went, what? What did he say? <laughs> if you do, are, and you are walking in that abundant peace, this message is for you because you might be called to carry it into someone else's life. You might be the ambassador of peace someone needs to see. You, your ability, when, when, when pressured, what comes out is peace, that might be a witness of somebody. So tonight's for you too. So we are capable of having peace of mind, peace of heart. So John 14, 27 again, I'm leaving with you a gift Peace of mind, peace of heart. And the peace I give is the gift the world cannot give. Interesting. So the peace Jesus gives is not something that we can go out and find from any other source in the world. We can't go out and find it from any other space. We can't, we, we can't find it in our jobs. We can't find it in our marriage. We can't find that peace. When I, when I say find that peace in our marriage, it doesn't mean that we don't have peace. It means what is our source? Bring that clarity. So oftentimes we're chasing things that are not sin, but when we see them as the source of our peace, our perspective becomes wrong. So are we looking for peace in a bank balance? Are we looking for peace in how someone else treats us? Are we looking for peace what in whether everything is going good in our daily lives? Are we looking for peace in the state of our jobs? We cannot look for peace in the world. We have to look for peace in Christ. And none of those, a bank account, having money in the bank's not sin. How, how someone treats us, you know, it, how, how we perceive and how we respond to someone who treats us is not always sin. What Having a good life, having a peaceful day is not always sin. What our jobs are like is not always sin. But when we look for those things as our source, when we try to plug into those and receive something from the world that it was never designed to give us, then we're in sin. Then our perspective is wrong. We, that means we're looking for peace in the very place that we are designed to carry peace into. So he gave us his peace so we can internally, despite what is going on around us in our bodies, on our jobs, in our families, and in our nation, we can have peace in here. And peace in here is not subject to peace out here. Peace in here is not subject to peace out here. So you have the strength of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit to overcome anxiety, regret, and condemnation. This is something that John and I bounce back and forth in the office a lot of time, and it's that the enemy, the enemy really works right after sin. So we make a mistake, we fall, we fail. Now we have to battle shame, we have to battle guilt, and we have to battle condemnation. And I, I know in our youth group, one of, the, one of the most important things is breaking shame. Because we, we're not going to reiterate and, and lambash somebody over the head because they sinned, as if that's going to fix anything. You don't need a brow beating. You need, the fo- you need Jesus. And I, 
if I was to get up here on Sunday night and tell the youth that they're terrible and they're nasty and they need to get saved every Sunday night, then that would be a rah-rah service and it'd be awesome, but it would be ineffective in daily life because it's perpetually repeating the cycle of I've got to get, I've got to go get, I've got to go. No, you've been made clean. You need to be sanctified and discipled and learn how to live that out every day. And I think the church misses it a lot is because we, we, want, we want salvation over and over again, but salvation is just the beginning. What Susan's been talking about on Sunday morning is those very two things. Sanctification, be becoming, be becoming like him, and discipleship, learning how to daily live out the word, being taught, being trained. That's what we need. And you have the Holy Spirit to overcome anxiety, regret, and condemnation. So your past no longer has power over you. What you did, the argument you had with your spouse on the way over here, the, first, you, the frustration you had on the job site today, the mistake you made 15 years ago, that the enemy's trying to keep creeping back into your mind, doesn't have power over you. Your past has no power over you. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, I'll let you turn there. I'm talking about having the mind of Christ. First Peter five, eight through nine. Stay, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him, and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. Listen, that, that enemy attacking, that, the, when the enemy seeks to devour, I'm, I firmly believe that his seeking to devour happens first in here. Because if, if, listen, if he can get you to think contrary to this, he doesn't have to attack your physical body. He deceives us into immobilizing ourselves. And he doesn't have to physically attack me to render me powerless if he tricks me into doing it myself. He rend he, the enemy renders us powerless when we live focused on our past, when we recite our mistakes and we recite mentally our sins over and over and over again. That's what, I would, that's what Tom Underhill would say is having a sin consciousness. We don't have a sin consciousness anymore. We've been given a righteousness consciousness. We've been given the mind of Christ. We've been made right with Christ. So our past has no power over our thought life today. Our mistakes have no power over our thought life now. Your, your mistakes don't have power over your thought life in the future. The Holy Spirit has the power and the authority over your thought life. The question is, will you allow him to govern your thoughts? Listen, we... He doesn't have to physically attack us if he deceives us into rendering ourselves powerless through, through the mind. We, 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 live in a, we live trapped in our mind at that point, and Jesus came to set us free from mental torment. Jesus came to set you free from mental torment. He came to set us free from a life of constant worry about tomorrow or constant worry about what other people think. I mean, we get so wrapped up in the opinions of other people. Now, please, don't come to work and don't go to work in a Speedo. We all, I mean, I, I put on deodorant. I know you can't tell, but I put on deodorant before I came up here. You know, I'm, I'm wearing shoes. You know, we, obviously, I care about your thoughts of me. But when we get down into every little nook and cranny uh, of do they like me now? Oh, I hope I'm doing everything perfect for them now. Uh, we've crossed over into the line of being people pleasers. 
which can lead, listen, that can lead us into compromise. It doesn't necessarily start with compromise, but that can lead us into compromise. We become people pleasers and we become focused not on what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, but we become driven by other people's opinions of our lives. And that's not it. He's freed us from that. He came to set us, listen, he came to set you free from mental fog. Mental health is huge in the culture today. And people will pay lots and lots and lots of money to have clarity of mind. And Jesus gave it to us as a gift. Jesus gave mental clarity to us as a gift. And I'm not saying that you don't need to go get help when you need to go get help. If you need to go to the doctor, go to the doctor. But understand where your source is. Your source is not in a pill. The pill may bring you to the clarity to see that he's your source, but, but the, the pharmacist is not your source. Jesus is your source. He came to set us free from mental, mental fog. Listen, you have mental clarity in your mind right now. In the name of Jesus, you have mental clarity in your mind. 2 Corinthians 3.16, you don't have to turn there. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit, say this with me, where the Spirit, where the spirit of the Lord, is, of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. The, spirit is in my body, the Spirit is in my body, so my mind, so my mind is, free. is free. You have mental clarity in the name of Jesus. Come on. And if you already have mental clarity, that's for the person you know who needs mental clarity in your life. Come on. We have to start carrying this into our culture, young I almost said young people. Amen. Yes. <laughs> young P.S. I'm like, glory. Woohoo. I'm going to start running. <laughs> let, me ask you, let me ask you this question. What, when you're pressed, what comes out of you? When you press an olive, what do you get? Olive oil. When you're pressed, what do you get? Mm. There's your litmus test right there. Some of you are like, ooh. Because listen, I'm not, it's not God pressing us. Life, life's full of pressure. And I've, I've, I've seen more doors open to witness by how I responded to something, not by my, by, not my, not, <laughs> not by me just talking and talking and talking. I remember one time uh, when I was an when I was working for Todd full time, uh, me and my coworker were. I was going to go eat lunch at the house because I was in town. So well, I'm going to go eat lunch at the house when I'm in town. That's nice. So I pull into my driveway. I live at the house next to Subway, um, right up the road. I pull into my driveway, and I had just hooked up a water hose outside, probably for a youth event with like a slip and slide and stuff, you know, fun stuff. And I pull into my driveway, and in my driveway is a truck pulling a trailer with a truck on it, and two ladies hanging over the hanging over the hood of the truck with my water hose hooked to my house with the water on filling up the radiator on their truck in my grass now i'm a peaceful person most of the time but i felt something rise up on the inside of me But I took a breath, I got out, and I, I don't know, the tone may have been a little rough, but I was like, what are you doing? And they're like, well, we saw it since the water hose was out here that it was free water, and I'm like, leave. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's, it's free for you, not for me. <laughs> and I just told them to leave, and the situation goes, they leave, uh, whatever, and my coworker I'm with, he's... We get back in the car to go back to work, and he says, hey, Dylan, dude, you were so calm in that situation. And I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> he 
He's like, man, like that, wow, like you are so, and I don't say that to brag on me. What I'm saying is people see you. People are watching us, and they're watching how we care. They're watching how we talk to our employees. They're watching how we talk to our bosses. They're watching how we talk to our coworkers. They're watching how we talk to our kids. They're watching how we talk to our friends. They're, they're, watching, they're watching us. They're watching whenever we go through a stressful situation. The world, they're watching us. Well, I don't like it when people watch me. Too bad. You're a city on a hill. You have the light of the Lord inside of you. You have been illuminated in Christ. You, you, people notice when you walk into a room. You may not think it, but there you carry an atmosphere with you where you go. You, you, you carry the kingdom with you wherever you go. And that, people, you may not realize it, but people notice. So what is pressed, when you're pressed, what comes out of you? I, listen, it needs to be peace. And it, it, listen, if you're not there yet, walk with it. We'll, we'll get there in a minute, how to get there. But that, I just felt the Holy Spirit bring that up, is what, when we're pressed, what comes out of us? It, are we so in tune, are we so abiding with Him, that whenever we face pressure, it's just Him that comes out? Or, 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 or does the flesh come out? Does condemnation come out? Does, does fear come out? Oh, I, I don't know what I'm going to, I don't know. What comes out of us when we're pressed? Listen, we have the Spirit. We have freedom. We, we can walk in it. And I refuse in my personal life to settle for anything less than what He's told me I can have. We, as believers, we have to quit lowering the bar down to what we can accomplish in our own ability. And we have to see the standard that Jesus set and say yes to what he's called us to. And listen, that call is not something that you receive from three hours of prayer. That call is right here. It's simple. It's easy. Love your neighbor. Righteousness, peace, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithful, gentleness, and self-control. That's... That's the fruit of the Spirit. So if something contrary to what he said to do comes out, I don't try to lower that down and make excuses. I say yes to being corrected. I say yes to what we've been talking about on Sunday mornings. I say yes to growth. I say yes to, to, to bring, being brought up. Listen, when we don't measure up, he doesn't cast us out. He brings us near. We may step away, but he will never push you aside. If you desire to grow, he will grow you. If you desire to grow, he will grow you. One of the identifiers, we're talking about the mind of Christ. One of the identifiers of a person of faith is the ability to thrive in less than ideal conditions. If you, listen, and I'm, if we need everything around us to be perfect for this and here to be at rest, you're double-minded. There's duplicity. And when, when I say rest is we, we, there's an upheaval of our peace to where we're not making decisions from being spirit-led. We're making decisions out of franticness. I've got to hurry and figure this out because if I don't, there's going to... Oh, no, I need to hurry and listen to what the Holy Spirit wants to say. I need to respond to the situation. I don't need to react to the situation. And Ashley Ellison, who came and spoke one time, he said the difference... Asher Ellison, who's going to come and speak here in a couple weeks, he said this. He said, the difference between a response and a reaction is this. Sometimes we just need to take a breath and take a step back and, and not assess the situation from, from right here, but we need to assess the situation from the Holy Spirit's point of view. 
when we're governed by peace and we have the mind of Christ, we have the mental clarity to see it the way He sees it, not the way we think it is. Because the way you think it is might not be the way it really is, and you need to let go of your perspective and tie yourself to His perspective. When we have the mind of Christ, we're able to thrive in less than ideal circumstances because we're not governed by what's around us. We're governed by what's inside of us. If we are moved and tossed by everything in our lives, that means we need to grow. It's also an identifier of duplicity. It doesn't mean you're living a double life, but are you fully convinced that God is good? And you will not fully receive the promise until you full, are fully convinced first that he is good. That Jeremiah 29, 11 is true. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. Mm, come on. And that prosperity isn't just financial. Financial, Obviously, Paul said that. I pray that you, you, you be in prosper and good health even as what? Your soul prospers. There's an internal prosperity. Hmm. Go to James chapter 1 real, real quick. James chapter 1, verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. Oh, there's the world again. And they are unstable in everything they do. So, double-mindedness. Do we put a safety net under what he tells us to do? Are we trying to have a backup plan in case God fails? Are we, are we trying to cover it in case he lets us down? If we're convinced that he's good, we're also convinced that he'll never let us down, that he will always follow through. And that, my, that the physical circumstances I'm looking at are not the indication of whether he's good or whether he's faithful or not. His word is the indication of whether he's good or whether he's faithful. And what's in the spirit might need to have time to come into fruition in the physical. But when we have the Holy Spirit's perspective, when we, we'll see this in a second, when we have the mind of Christ, we're able to see things through the lens of the Holy Spirit, not through the lens of the world. So therefore, we're not dependent upon seeing it manifest physically because faith knows it's already manifested in the Spirit. That's having the mind of Christ. And, and that James chapter 1, that double-mindedness is... is not necessarily split 50-50. It's not necessarily a life of righteousness and a life of sin. It's do you fully, are you fully convinced that he's good? Are we fully convinced that his word is true? Are we fully convinced that every promise is yes and amen? Fully convinced is, does not mean manifest. It means fully convinced. That's it. It doesn't mean fully. I'm, you, if you're waiting to see it to be fully convinced, that's not faith. We hesitate to go both feet in. And listen, what happens is, is because of that, because of our hesitancy, a lot of times what it is, is we trust in ourselves more than we trust in God. We trust in our ability in our flesh. We, we hesitate to go both feet in, and because of that, we don't experience the peace He promised. 
He promised us peace. He promised us rest. Do we believe it or not? If I believe that he's gonna, he, that he promised me feet, I'll dive headfirst into whatever he leads me into. Because I'm, I, I'm gonna. If he's listen, I, oh, let me get there in a minute. He promises peace. He promises rest. Do we believe him or not? Or do we still trust in ourselves more than him? We have been given the Spirit and have his strength and his peace. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. First Corinthians 10. Second Corinthians 10. I said first. Didn't yeah, y'all are like, what are you saying, dude? You're not in the right place. Second Corinthians chapter 10. I'll give y'all a second to get there. Thank you. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. This is in the King James. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Uh, casting down imaginations. Have, have any, is it just me or have, has anyone else ever imagined an entire scenario and played it out in their mind? <laughs> Has anyone else ever been like worked up in, into a frenzy over your mind? Yeah. That's not the mind of Christ. So we cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Our peace is not obtained because it just happens. The doing involved is when thoughts of fear come, we refuse to dwell on the thoughts of fear. We don't, we don't allow ourselves to play out those imaginary circumstances in our minds where we're always right in every single argument and they're always wrong. <laughs> yeah. We don't allow those to play out. We don't allow those to go into their end. We don't allow those to, to bring us and have control over our emotions and to control o- over our, our thoughts and control over our, e- control over our day. What do we do? We read the Word, confess Scripture, begin to praise and worship. Put on some praise and worship. Dance if you have to. Refute, listen, we as believers, we as followers of Jesus, to, to live in and sustain our lives and to, to sustain the mind of Christ, we have to refuse to have our minds overtaken by the flesh. Get some fight in you. Get some grit. Don't let, as you say this, don't let the devil run roughshod on your life. I'm going to put that in the John Burge quotes. I do have a page going if you have any. Uh, of John Burge quotes, yep. Oh, I was confused as a termite in a yo-yo. I can, I can pull them up right here, man. I got them on quick draw. They're good. I was, he said one the other day, I was laughing so hard. I was laughing for five minutes. The conversation moved on, and I'm still over there cackling. It's fantastic. You're funny. Don't, what, I don't care what your family says. You're funny, John Burge. <laughs> We don't allow ourselves to dwell on what is not of Christ. Have some wherewithal, church. Have some grit. Don't just give in to every single thought that just Charles Caps, just because a bird flies across your head doesn't mean it gets to make a nest. We don't let just because the thought comes in doesn't mean the thought gets to stay. You have the authority because you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have authority over our minds. And because we have authority over our minds, we can submit it to Christ and have his mind. We have the mind of Christ. 
You have the mind of Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.13. A few pages over. Not 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Did it again. Y'all going to have grace for me. I have the mind of Christ. I can read. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Chapter 2 verse 13. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. We know who can know the Lord's thoughts, who knows enough to teach him. But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Paul, you see here, Paul ties having the mind of Christ to understanding the, th- the, the things of the Spirit. He says it right here. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, to, we, using the Spirit's words to explain, explain spiritual truths. So earlier when I said we have, to, we have to gain the Holy Spirit's perspective, we gain the Holy Spirit's perspective because we hear what He has to say, because we have the mind of Christ. We can understand where He's leading us. We can understand and what He needs us to look at. So He calls us to look at something that, that doesn't make sense in the carnal flesh. We're, we're faced with a circumstance. We're faced with a situation that we need to figure out. And He says, look over here. And we're like, that doesn't make any sense. Of course it doesn't make sense to your flesh. It's not the flesh, it's the Spirit. The flesh doesn't understand the things of the Spirit. The flesh understands results. It's true. In our carnal Western world, we are driven by results, not necessarily methods. And the Spirit understands the path to take, not just the path to take to get the end result, not just the end result. We know what we need is the end result in the flesh, but when we have to be able to hear his words, hear his voice, gain his perspective. And when he says to look here and it doesn't make sense, we trust that that's where we need to go because we have the mind of Christ. We understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. Go to John chapter 15. We're going to wrap it up here. I love this chapter. If you want to have a chapter in the Bible that you just want to read over and over and over and over again, I highly recommend John 15. We're going to start in verse 1. I'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Say this, apart from Christ, Christ, I can do nothing. nothing. 
with Christ, Christ, I can do anything. anything. Mm. Verse 6, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my word, so if we abide in him, his word abides in us. Not just, it's, not, it's not just this, it's not some abstract thing. If he remains in us, his words remain in us. If, if you remain in me, Jesus, this is what Jesus is saying. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, oh, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So, the Father's heart for us is that we produce much fruit. Abundance. God finds glo- God is glorified in our abundant fruitfulness. And having the mind of Christ long term, not for a week, not but for years, establishing legacy in your family, establishing legacy in your life, establishing a precedent of this is who I am, this is what I do, this is how I walk, this is how I live. That this is the way, this is, having the mind of Christ isn't just a season or a phase. It is exactly who I am, and that's never going to change. That is sustained through the John 15 abiding. Through diving into the Word, it's sustained through, through never letting anything come between you and the presence of God. And the things, John talked about this last week, sometimes the things that are keeping us from full union isn't necessarily sin, it just has more of our attention than he does. That was really good. If you, if you didn't hear, if you weren't here for last week, go back to the podcast. You can look at, if you have Apple iPhone, you can look it up. Go back and look up last week's message by John. It was fantastic. We have, we have to remain connected to the vine, church. If you're going to carry, listen, because the goal is not for you to be like, I've got to have the mind of Christ. I've got to have the mind of Christ. I've got to have the mind of Christ. No, the goal is to walk with him and the mind of Christ be something you flow in. Yeah, you might ha- you're going to have to take a thought captive, but the understanding to th- take a thought captive becomes second nature. It's not something that you get to after a week of absolute torment. It's something that rises up on the inside of you. It comes from the deep well, from, li- from walking and living life in the secret place with the Holy Spirit. It comes from understanding and knowing His Word and reading His Word, not just to check off a list, but to receive it as your daily bread, to receive it as life. We will not walk in the peace he's given us apart from him. Apart from him. One of the biggest deceptions and challenges we can, or, and traps we can fall into as believers is the trap of self-effort. And we love self-effort in America. Love it. Look at what I accomplished. Look at what I did. Look at what I built. Listen. You cannot accomplish the abundant life in your own abilities and actions. You can get a counterfeit, but it's not the real thing. If we think we have achieved the abundant life by, and, and have done it by our own actions and our own abilities apart from abiding in Jesus, the end of that road is always more of what we're trying to escape. The chaos, the torment. The end of the road is not more peace. The end of the road is not more rest. You're now captive to your own works because if you had to work your way into it, you have to work to sustain it.
if you worked your way, way into it, you have to work to sustain it. But if he has led you into it, he will sustain you. Let him build things in your life over time. Do not despise small beginnings. I don't know who this is for. I just felt this rise upon the inside of me. Quit trying to go, quit trying to have ten, an overnight success overnight. Every overnight success took at least 10 years. But we're tricked into thinking that we can have this. I, I wanna I wanna be able to do what I wanna be able to walk the life that Pastor Susan walks. Serve God for 30 years. You'll get there. Have patience. Have patience with yourself. Let, let God lead you slowly on the path of growth. Don't try to, to, to bite and, and, and don't try to take it all out in one whack. That's not having the mind of Christ. Having the mind of Christ understands that you need to walk this, you need to run, run this race, race not as a sprint but as a marathon. Steady. Our goal is not speed. Our goal is steadiness. There's plenty of fast things out in the world today, but we need some things that are faithful and true. The world needs us to be steady. The world needs us to have... America does not need more people frantically trying to achieve things. America needs believers, the church, to rise up and say, I'm not going to be dominated by unrest. I'm going to be dominated by the mind of Christ. I'm going to have peace on the, when the world wants to, wants, to, wants to fight each other, wants to, wants to argue with each other. I refuse to step into that culture, and I bring peace into that situation. I bring the love of God into that situation. I bring the mind of Christ into that situation. This is not complacency. Letting the Lord lead you to things and letting the Lord sustain things in your life is not complacency. If it drives you to laziness, you missed it. The places he leads you should actually spur on doing because you understand that what you're doing has purpose behind it. You understand that though you may be physically tired, in the spirit you're full. You can pour out, you can pour out because your source is not in what you're pouring into, your source is in him. There's a flow, there's a flow happening in you. It's, it's not you trying to accomplish it yourself. We don't just work for the sake of working. We understand that everything we do is for the kingdom. And it, listen, it is a witness to the people around us. John 15, abiding in Christ, living in the secret place, being in the presence, and never letting, any, never let, letting anything get in the way of you and him. Church, he has called us into intimacy. And those of you who have been married for a long time, you can totally correct me if I'm wrong once you have the mic uh, here in a minute. Um, you, you begin to think alike in a lot of ways that you didn't beforehand. I'm not... We're getting there, babe. <laughs> but as time goes on, your a union it produces oneness. Where people who've been married for... 30, 40 years, they don't have to ask what, they, uh, what the other person thinks because they think the same. They may see it different, but there's some things they don't have, I don't have to ask. Even in the short six years my wife and I have been married, there's some things I don't have to ask her. I know exactly what she thinks, but there's some things that we haven't come across yet that I'll have to ask her what she thinks. But over time, that union has produced our mind into being Together, we think the same. It's the same thing with Jesus. As we walk out our intimate walk with Him, He gives us His mind. We're pressed into His image. We're, we, we're, we become conformed into His way. And listen, that this, the mind of Christ is not sustained through self-effort. It's sustained through union. It is sustained through walking with him every day, getting up and understanding that he is with you everywhere you go. And you don't have to go, you can go spend three hours in a closet praying, but you can spend, if you're alone and you can, spend three hours praying on your job. 
If you have the car rides, pray in your car. Spend time in the Word, reading, understanding what He has said. Because you, you can't take Jesus and separate Him from what He said. If you love Him, you love what He said. You have the mind of Christ. Amen? All right. I'm done. Brett has the Roman mic. Roaming mic. Thoughts, comments, corrections, rebuttals? Um, I have one. When you talked about when you work to get somewhere or something... Yeah. You got to work to maintain it. Yep. That obviously can apply to many things, but one of the big ones I think is if you lie to get something, you have to keep lying or yep. make up new lies to maintain it. Yeah, absolutely. That's really good, Brett. I'll add on to that. Don't let your talent take you farther than your character can sustain you. If you have to fake it to keep it, you probably should let it go anyways. I don't know who that's for. Anybody else? Did you receive something tonight? Praise God. Man, I love you guys. Y'all are awesome. I love this church. All right. Lord, we thank you that we get to walk with you every day. Say this. Say, I have the mind of Christ. Come on. Lord, I thank you for freedom to see things clearly. I thank you for freedom from mental anguish. I thank you for freedom from mental torment. And I thank you for peace in every area of our lives. Where any, If there's anyone in this room who, who is facing chaos, I just speak peace over their situation right now in the name of Jesus. I speak the ability to see it as it really is, to see it clearly, to make good decisions, to see if, if, we, if, if we need to change or if we need to do something different, uh, to see where to pray, to, to see where to specifically speak the word over, areas to specifically specifically speak the word over. Lord, I thank you for, for, for joy in every one of these believers' lives. I thank you for, for, for just the presence of God to be thick into every space they're in, Lord. I thank you that as they sleep tonight, that their rest is full. And I thank you for joy in every area. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.